Welcome, everyone, to another week of the Brazos Sports Preps Cast. I'm Alex Miller with the Eagle, joined always by the Eagles, Abigail Ochoa. How are you doing today, Abigail? Hey, doing pretty good. And hey, it's one of our favorite guys to have on the podcast. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Mike Lucas from KX Sports. What's going on, Mike? I, I can't follow an intro like that, Alex. I'm doing good. It's good to see you. I've been ready for some good football this Friday. That's all right. This is where the good stuff happens. This is where the good stuff happens, and, it, and it's where the good teams really separate themselves. It's the second round of the playoffs. We've only got 10 Brazos Valley teams left in the postseason. We started, I think, with 22, uh, and now we're down to 10. A uh, tough week for some Brazos Valley teams. We'll get into that later, but... Hey, there's some more big games on Friday. So let's just jump right into it. Probably the biggest game in the area. Well, it, it is the biggest game in the area. And honestly, one of the biggest games in the state is going to be is college. It not, is it not the biggest one in the state? Is there another game that has a combined ranking of seven? Yeah, you got a point. It's probably the biggest <laughs> game in the state, Mike. And that's College Station. They're playing Frisco Lone Star. Number two versus number five in class 5A Division One Friday night at is it 7:30 Abigail right 7:30 seven seven seven, seven. Yeah. oh they <laughs> always play at seven on. they always play at seven I should know this by now they, they do. well they do. they're playing in Tyler not Waco Tyler at good old Rose Stadium uh, this this is easily going to be the the biggest test for the Cougars this season and so Mike. What is it about this Cougars team that leads you to think that they can go into this and, and win a top five matchup, considering they haven't played a team of this caliber quite yet this season? Well, it gives me confidence the fact that they've been, in my opinion, the most complete team in the state in class 5A D1 all season. We know about the offense. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They have weapons galore. They're offensive line malls guys. You look at their defense. I mean, they had a three-game stretch where they allowed like 70 total yards, back-to-back-to-back shutouts. When they've played better teams – yeah, Meg West put up 21 on them, but take away that 181-yard run in the second half, they didn't score. So we've seen dominant stretches on both sides of the ball from College Station. And this is a senior-laden team. I mean, Jed Huff's a senior. Houston Thomas, Traylon Sewell, Dalton Carn. There's, there's 100 guys on defense. you got Jackson Slanka, Kyle Walsh. The list goes on and on. I, I literally could name like 30 seniors if we wanted to go down the whole list. They've been there before. I mean, they, they were part of the team last year that lost to Denton Ryan in, in this round, and this team that struggled to get past the second round of the playoffs because of matchups and regions. But this whole run is kind of building up to this season for this Cougar team. I mean, you got your starting quarterback. All his weapons have been playing together since eighth grade. Defensively, they're as cohesive as any unit uh, in the Brazos Valley. I haven't seen Frisco play in person, but I have a hard time believing that any team is going to walk on a field against College Station and be significantly more talented, better coached, or more well-prepared than the Cougars. So that's why I have confidence. Frisco Liberty, Frisco Lone Star, excuse me, may be the greatest team that I've ever seen come Friday night, but I have a hard time leading up to the game thinking that any team in the state ranked one through 300, whatever, is going to be better coached and more well-prepared than the Cougars will when kickoff starts at 7 o'clock, not 7.30 at Rose State. (laughs) Well, two years ago, Frisco Lone Star beat College Station in the area playoffs when some guy named Marvin Mims uh, showed up to play after thinking he wasn't going to play due to injury. He's doing something really good with the Oklahoma Sooners right now. But 
Zoe here. Uh, Abigail, you were at that game. You know, what do you kind of remember from that night? And, you know, Mike, Mike kind of alluded to the number of seniors that are on this team. And a lot of them were probably on that team, uh, mm. whether they were they were starting as young sophomores or got pulled up to the playoffs that year. Yeah, a lot of them were, uh, you know, Jet Huff quite wasn't playing yet because they didn't have Austin Sosa. So, but, the, you know, Dawson uh, Shrimp had, he, you know, he scored nine I believe nine points that night. It was a lot of field goals for him. Um, a, a good night for him, even though with the wind going on and everything like that. But yeah, I do remember two years ago, obviously it, it was probably, I mean, very early when I started at the Eagle, it might've been like my fourth game covering high school football, which is a, quite a game to go to. Um, it was in Waco, like you mentioned earlier, but you know, Lone Star won 45 to 30, Marvin Mims and then uh, Garrett Van Gal, who is their quarterback right now, who was a sophomore back then. I mean, they opened up with a 65-yard touchdown, I believe. Um, and then they got another one. I mean, they just kind of hit you really quickly. And, and College Station wasn't able to keep up with, with Mims there and, and everybody. And, you know, like you said, Mims wasn't supposed to play in that game. He was injured. Um, he ended up coming back for that. And, and they moved on from there. But, you know, Coach Huff said that the, they're not shying away from the fact that They've lost in the area around these past three seasons. And um, it's definitely something that's on their mind. This is not going to be an easy game for them. Um, you got a Frisco Lone Star team who has a lot of those people who were sophomores back then back. Uh, you got Ashton Genty, who, uh, you know, Texas football, he was described as, uh, you know, a, a guy who can run, but also can he has the hands to catch anything you kind of throw at him. So, it's going to be tough for them, but I think, you know, like Mike said, this is a different college station team than it was two years ago. These guys are seniors now. They're not sophomores. They're not, you know, getting a few reps in here and there. They have gotten the, the they have got, have the talent overall. Uh, they've had the experience these past uh, two years to kind of get back to get to where they are now. And um, I agree with Mike. It'd be hard to see a Frisco Lone Star team come in, even though they are, you know, number five come in and, and kind of take over this game against College Station, who has just been consistently great this entire season. Yeah, you know, just kind of looking at Frisco Lone Star, you know, they got real, two real studs on offense. Quarterback Garrett Rangel, he's committed to Oklahoma State. Running back Ashton Genty, who's committed to Boise State. He's Genty's rushed for over 1,700 yards and 31 touchdowns. Like, that's nuts. And he's also a big threat at receiver. He, he leads the Rangers in receiving with 700 more yards and 10 more touchdowns. He's only five foot 10, but he weighs 195 pounds. And just looking at the highlight film, he's really hard to bring down. And so look for me, looking at this game and, and Mike, I'll turn this one to you. This is definitely going to probably be the biggest challenge that uh, college stations defense has seen, you know, looking back at that game against Magnolia West when they got punched in the mouth early, you know, what's going to be the key for the Cougars uh, on Friday night? Defensively. I mean, I think it's tackling. I mean, you look at that 81 yard touchdown run that Hunter Bilbo broke out. Was there holding? Eh, maybe I'm not a referee. I, I didn't have a flag, but you know, they, <laughs> they missed three or four tackles. And that's very uncharacteristic for this college station team. Defensively, when you watch them, they swarm. And I think that's something that Coach for sure, Coach Litton, the linebackers coach, has done an awesome job with this defensive doing. And there's never it's never a one-on-one -on -one tackle with College Station. There's three or four white or purple jerseys, whatever they're wearing, or black, around the ball carrier. 
And when you're playing two dynamic playmakers like Frisco Lone Star does, they're probably going to win one-on-one battles. I mean, they're going to Oklahoma State and Boise State for a reason. Like, these dudes are not easy to take down. But it's hard for one guy, no matter how good they are, to run through three or four good tacklers. And I think swarming to the ball and gang tackling is going to be crucial for College Station. And then you look at Frisco, uh, Frisco Lone Star's defense. I mean, they held Denton Ryan to seven points in that conference championship game. So it's not like College Station should be able to walk in and roll over them offensively like we've seen them do to so many teams. But I think the one difference in this College Station team as opposed to the last three that have all lost in the area round is the balance offensively. If you take away the running game, that means you're going to let Jet Huff throw 25, 30 times a game and he completes 75% of his passes and they have so many weapons. If you want to take away the passing game, Coach Huff is fine handing the ball to Marquise Collins and Nate Palmer 25, 30 times and saying, hey, this is your game. Take us home. And those guys are both future Division One running backs in their own right. So I think the balance offensively is crucial for College Station. Make Frisco Lone Star respect both offenses, passing and rushing. And then defensively, you have to gang tackle and you have to muck things up. But I think it's going to come down to the College Station linebackers, Slanker, Robinson, uh, Griswold, I'm missing one more, but, but those guys of filling the lanes and playing sound gap football to not allow those dynamic playmakers on Lone Star to turn a three-yard gain into a 25-yard gain by breaking contain and busting that. I think that's something to really watch Friday night. Abigail, we use the term gauntlet to kind of describe where College Station would have to get through to, to get to the state semifinals and ultimately Arlington. This is where it really starts because <clears throat> – no disrespect to McKinney North, but they, they just weren't going to put up a fight. This is where it really starts. When when you think about Lone Star, potentially Highland Park, and then Denton Ryan, and then not to mention who you'd get from Region 1, and then probably one of the Houston schools. Uh, you know, if College Station is going to do it, though, they're going to have to beat three teams probably that knocked them out the last three seasons. You know, what do you what do you what do you kind of make of, of the road ahead for College Station and, and just, you know, h- how they kind of fare uh, potentially against some of these teams? Yeah, you know, I think it's funny because yeah, I talked to Coach Huff about this yesterday. He said the guys realize kind of how tough this region is. They grew up knowing that this was probably going to happen their senior year. Obviously, you don't know who you're going to play in the area round. They weren't sure if they were going to get a little star or whoever, but um they're kind of just excited to play. And I think he's being a little modest there when he says that, because I really do think that this is the year, if any year that they have the chance to beat these top ranked teams, you get, you know, five Lone Star here. I I forgot uh, Highland Park is three, I think, Mm -hmm. maybe. Um, And then didn't Ryan, you're probably going to get there towards the end, but I really think that they do have a chance here. this is really going to be a big test for them this week, obviously, to see how they do. They're going a little bit further. They're not in Waco, which they're used to uh, being at this time in the area round. But I really do think that they have the, the you know, we talk about their talent so much. They're overall such a great team. And I, I really think if they're able to play a solid football game here, uh, you know, not let Frisco get any, any uh, you know, clean runs or, or easy touchdowns or, anything like that, we're really going to see this College Station team gain some confidence. It's going to be a real confidence booster for them to get this win here, um, especially in the area round, especially this week. Um, so I think it's really possible that we can see them um, keep going if they're able to get a really nice win here. Can I add Mike? one more, Alex, real quick? Yeah, of yeah, course. Go for it. I, I'm a Texas high school football historian, but I can't imagine that. 
that there's a tougher gauntlet or a tougher stretch to reach the region finals than what College Station and or Lone Star and or Denton Ryan and or Highland Park is going to have to get there right. to get there. Whoever comes out of this region, I think you can make a legitimate argument. And once again, I'm not a historian, but that means you have to go through three of the top seven teams in the state just to get to the region final. So whichever team comes out of this, this region of death or this group of death, I think there's a legitimate case to be made that that'll be the toughest run to a region final in the entire history of Texas state football. And yeah, fact check me. I could be totally wrong. Maybe it's happened before, maybe not, but it is an insane gauntlet. And, you know, this might be their, if college station is to win the state title, hypothetically, this might be their second hardest game in the second round of the state playoffs. I mean, that's just really the reality of the situation. And it's, I don't want to say it's not fair how the regions break down. Obviously it's for travel, but it is kind of not fair to have five of the top, there are seven of the top 10 teams in the same region when you have other regions that don't have a single top 10 team, it, it, it doesn't break down fair in that sense. But, you know, the Cougars, yeah. when we talk about last, last point, we talk about this gauntlet the Cougars have to go through. Let's not forget College Station's ranked number two. So all these teams, yeah, like Frisco Lone Star saying, oh, we got to get past number two to then play number. Like, it's also a gauntlet going against College Station. And we, we talk about these other schools and they deserve all the credit because they've had phenomenal seasons. College Station's ranked second for a reason, and you could make a legitimate argument they should be one because Denton Ryan does have a loss. College Station doesn't. So, yeah, it's going to be a gauntlet, but they're the second-ranked team in the state, and they should be favored over Frisco Lone Star, who's the fifth team in the state, based on just rankings. I haven't seen them, but just based two versus five, I mean, that, that is something to take into consideration. For what it's worth, the Harris ratings yeah, does have College Station – favored by i think it's 11 points in in this game which is a little surprising to me but uh, honestly maybe not but yeah um, yeah what were you gonna say abigail i was gonna say we had tepper on last week and he did mention he is a little worrisome about kind of that frisco lone star offense he's not 100 percent confident that they can make a run so yeah like mike said this is a college station team i think we keep forgetting that they are number two behind denton ryan um arguably number one um but yeah, you know, this is uh, – whoever faces College Station, whoever gets to the end of this region, it won't be an easy road for them, um, and they will have deserved whatever they get at the end of this season. Well, moving along, AM Consolidated. Okay, they're going to face Barbers Hill in, in what's probably kind of a surprise. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, we all, we all, I think, expected the Tigers to take care of business last Friday, and they did against Mount Pleasant, rolling to a 55-21 win. Uh, all three phases of this of the team scored a touchdown, but hey, Barbers Hill, they really shocked the state last week by not just upsetting region three favorite Fort Ben Marshall, but they beat them by 21 points. Smoked um, them like a brisket, bro. Yeah. Smoked them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that really caught my eye. Uh, you know, I was I was in the second half at that rudder game trying to see, okay, what what's kind of going on here? And then I saw the score and I was like, oh wow. Barbara Hill's ahead. And then I saw the final and I was like, oh my gosh, they won. You know, Mike, how surprised are you uh, that Consol is playing Barbara Hill? And, you know, what you're, you're going to be there on Friday, I think. Is that right? You know, what, what are you kind of looking for from the Tigers uh, early in the week? I'll start with my surprise. You know, I haven't seen Fort Bend play and they go through their district's terrible. So you see these scores and they, and they crush everyone and it's, it's tough to tell how good they really are. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, it, it, they obviously are talented. They have, you know, an A&M commit in Chris Marshall, another guy with an A&M offer. They got a bunch of D1 kids, but 
when you play bad competition every week, yeah, your, your numbers are going to look insane. And I know nothing about Barbers Hill. I know nothing about Barbers Hill besides the fact they took the fight to Fort Bend and the Buffaloes didn't punch back. I think a key, I think a key in this game on Friday is can, can Saul withstand that first punch? Because you know Barbara Sills is going to come out swinging. They're four seed. They weren't supposed to be here. They're playing with house money now, and they're going to come out swinging. And can Consol weather the punch and fight back? And we saw, you know, Alex, were you at the game last Friday? Uh, the Consol game? Yeah, were you at Rudder? I was at, at Rudder. So we, we saw the highlights, and I talked to Coach Fedora. That has to be the best game while Hargett's played since he took over as quarterback. I mean, they were throwing the ball deep, and I'm not sure if that was Coach hiding that to the playoffs if that was always in his back pocket and he was waiting to unleash that or if that's just the comfortability that Hargett's developed since taking over from Brody Daniel but when they extend the field vertically with Wesley Graves with Tyler Wright that opens up all the running lanes for their running backs who are finally healthy I mean they were down to their fourth string running back to get Keyshawn Thomas back to get Trey McClinton not not McClinton uh Trey Thomas back Trey Trey Turner Taylor. Yeah, Taylor. It was TT. I'm sorry, Trey Taylor. <laughs> they got all these guys back now, and if they can stretch the defense and force them to not put eight, nine guys in the box because all we had seen from Consol in the passing game was little bubble screens, I mean, that opens up a million different things. And speaking of that bubble screen, one of the things I love about Coach Fedora is just when, you, just when you think you got his offense figured out, he throws a little wrinkle. And he threw a fake bubble screen, go to Graves down the sideline that last game. And Hargett put it right in his hands over his shoulders, a perfectly thrown ball. It was a thing of beauty. And it goes to show that – I don't want to say you, you can't teach an old dog new tricks because I'm not saying Coach Fedora is old. Coach, you know, I love you. You, you're not <laughs> old. But, you know, he's always got that next thing in his bag. And I'm, I'm going to talk to him this afternoon. I'm curious to know if – and he won't tell me. He's not going to tell me this. But, Alex, I'm curious to your guys' opinion. Abigail, you too. Do you think there's another evolution of this offense? I mean, we saw the vertical passing game be unleashed in the by district round. Maybe it's more of a play action game that he unleashes that next phase of the offense. He's kind of undoing the Rubik's cube because we saw it was heavy ground and pound against Rutter. They went Superman formation when they needed a score against Huntsville. They ran the ball 70 times out of 75 plays. They passed the ball in the by district. What's the next phase? And is there a next phase? I, I can't wait to see what Fedora does. Yeah. I you know, I, I don't, I think it's just, I think it's just, they, they have had to get, they've had to go, they've gone wide. Cause when you think about early in the season, when they had Brody Daniel, just ripping and roaring every single game, but then having to condense the offense and kind of pivot, whether it was Brody Daniel gets hurt, your running back depth isn't there. Um, you know, they, they really, the adaptability of that consult offense has been the story of the season for me. And, and, you know, the way that, that coach Fedora has been able to tailor and adjust that offense week by week, that, that to me has been just so impressive and just finding ways to, to have success. And now that they're basically back at full strength, I, I think, I think he's just going to unleash everything if he can. And, you know, having a guy like Keyshawn Thomas back, is huge. You know, he, he, he can run and run and run. I mean, he basically helped win the game against Converse Judson earlier in the season. Now, a lot of credit goes to that offensive line who has played tremendous all season, but to your point too, Will Hargett has gotten better week after week after week. And, you know, for this consult team, they're still trying to have a turnover free game. And, 
that's something that I'm really looking for. Can they finally play a clean football game uh, and, and be able to get to a third round matchup where you're probably going to play a Crosby team that they score points out the wazoo. So, uh, you know, you got to take care of business this week, but Hey, if you do, I mean, what's stopping you? And, and I think this offense is only going to get better as, as, as time goes on, which is crazy to think that they're peaking or, or have, have more room to grow in its week 13 of the season. Yet that's the case for them. <laughs> you know, kind of looking at that Barbers Hill team, you know, Mike, you kind of, you kind of touched on it, how they just rolled over uh, Forp and Marshall, you know, quarterback Brent Holdren and uh, running back Garrett Hagler, they seem to form a, a one-two punch just kind of on paper, reading their stats and kind of looking at box scores on offense for the Eagles. You know, I, I was out there on Monday and I was talking with linebacker Tyndall McNamara and he kind of told me it reminds him of the duo that Rudder had last season with EJ Ezar and Keith Ron Lee, where you've got a quarterback who can run and throw the ball. And then you've got this other guy, a skill player that can just be moved around and that's just kind of their go-to guy. So definitely going to be a good challenge for that consult defense. But, hey, Mofo Kitty had two interceptions last week and returned one for a pick six, which Tyndall told me was maybe the most athletic play that he's ever seen in his life. So, um, Consol is clicking on all cylinders. I'm just curious if they can keep it going. And, you know, on the flip side, Barbers Hill just won the biggest game of their season. You know, how do they follow that up? You know, is, is that was that their Super Bowl? Was that a one-hit wonder? Or was this the start of, a Cinderella run for a team that people probably were sleeping on throughout the season. If I could chime in real quick, it's different sports, but my sophomore year of college, we upset the number one team in the country and it was awesome. And we were so excited. And that was on a Tuesday night that following Thursday. So, you know, a day off in another game, we played a team that we were supposed to win by 20 and we got smoked. We could not get back up for that second game because we thought we were Kings of the world. We thought we had, you know, won something. The truth is it was a regular season game. that didn't matter. It was a great win, but if you don't follow it up with anything, it, it, it makes no difference in the grand scheme of things. And I know they've had a week to prepare and I'm sure that coaching staff is, is, is a good coaching staff and they're going to try to get their guys back up. But there is a little bit of a mindset change when you pull up an upset like that, where you kind of get a little confidence and confidence is a good thing until it teeters on cockiness and complacency. And I don't know anything about the Barbers Hill team. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying, I think Alex is right. It's a point to watch. And I think it's a, a level that Consol is not at. I don't think Coach Fedora ever lets this team get complacent. I mean, Alex and I have been at the end of practice. And even last week, heading to the playoffs on Monday night, they're running, not suicides, but they're running full field sprints at the end of practice to stay in shape. So complacency, not an issue whatsoever for Consol. It may be a factor for Barbara Silicon Friday night. Well, before we keep talking a little more about just some other playoff games in the area, let, let's kind of look back on these two Brian schools and just the seasons that they had. Um, Abigail, I'm going to start with you. You know, Brian last week, they lose to Cedar Hill 10 to five, kind of a weird score. I think Brian had a chance to win the game there at the end, but you know, we, we've talked about it all along, but you know, how remarkable was it that Brian was able to turn things around and make the playoffs considering they started 0 and five. Yeah, I mean, I was at that first, that season opener uh, against Lucas Lovejoy. You, you know, they're playing without their head coach, they lose their quarterback. Uh, they play a tough team like Lucas Lovejoy in the, in the first game. I mean, it was hard to kind of see in that game, at least, kind of where they would be. But then they get go 0-5 and you're like, how 
how can this team possibly turn things around? They were obviously able to do that. Tate Allen, the sophomore, came out of nowhere. And I, I mean, nowhere, obviously he was playing on their defense, but, you know, then he goes offense at quarterback, not an easy position to take over midway through the season. Um, he was able to kind of reignite that flame there. And then, you know, I, I talked to Coach Rogers a few weeks ago. He said the defense was playing pretty good football throughout the district. And it was just Tate Allen on offense kind of getting everybody going. And I think once the offense started, you know, scoring more, they started to do more things. The defense was able to come in and say, hey, I got your back and, and back them up in that way. So they were able to turn things around. Cedar Hill game is not what I expected or not the final score that I expected it to go. But I think it really proves that, that Brian was doing some great things towards the end of the season. Um, you know, last season, I forgot what that final score was with Cedar Hill, but it was not the same type of game. Brian lost more by more than five points. Um, 27 to zero. 27 to zero. See, they didn't even score. I think it just proves exactly kind of where they were. They had that battle back mentality and um, they were close to kind of being able to avenge that loss last year against Cedar Hill, which every single player that I talked to throughout the season kind of talked about wanting to get back and, and see that team again. Um, but yeah, I think it's just kind of, uh, it's, it's been great what they've been able to do this season. They should be proud of this season for them. Uh, a lot of good seniors on that squad uh, that, that will graduate and, um, you know, have some great careers. So hopefully, you know, Nick Carraway and Dwayne Paul Hill and uh, Hunter Vivaldi. And I, I mean, all these guys that just really, contributed in so many different ways to kind of get this Brian team pick up the pieces after an 05 star and get going here. Um, tough way to go out, but I, I really think they should be proud of that season that they put out. Mike, on the flip side, you know, Rudder, we talked all along, just kind of the record-breaking season. You know, what, what did this year and, and making the playoffs finally really mean to that program, you think? I think it means everything. I mean, it shows that what Coach Ezar is building there is working. The system he has in place can be successful. And I think, and I'm going to say this, I love Coach Ezar. He is my guy. That's my dude. <laughs> the next step in building a program is finding ways to close games. And I think that's the Achilles heel of this runner team. And it's ironic that they beat Huntsville in a way that Huntsville choked away the win late and give runner credit for forcing the plays and coming back in the second half. But, you know, I think if you play that game nine at 10 times, nine at 10 times, Huntsville ends up winning from that one, two yard line, one yard line, whatever that fumble was. Rudder found new ways to lose games down the stretch. And there's a myriad of different reasons as to why. And I think the next step in this program development is turning those close losses into close wins. We saw a full shirt last week of the regular season, got down. There was a holding penalty that negated the touchdown. They got close, they fumbled. They were up 21 seven in the playoffs against Marshall came down to overtime. I believe they missed the field goal in overtime that Marshall made the field goal. So, you know, it's not on one person. It's not on any individual in particular. I just think it's the next step of a program. But that's a great thing to say for runner because they've never been at that step before. This is a new step for them. So even though it's, I don't want to say a, a crossroad in the life of a program, because it's not, but it's a step they've never been at. And just to reach that step, means that Ezar has done a phenomenal job turning the entire program around. And, hey, getting to the playoffs is the hard part. I, I mean, that, that is the hard part. It's a tough district. They deserve to be in the playoffs. 
they should have won that first round game. They should be playing this weekend or this Friday. And just to be there and to see how far it's come in my three years here. And Alex, I guess you've been here longer in the area, but I mean, runner was a joke a couple of years ago and runner is no longer a joke. And for as simple as that sounds, I think that's really a testament to what they've built and what they're continuing to build up at runner. Yeah. I can remember a time when a, a team across town scored over 80 points on runner. Um, but yeah. uh, you know, the, 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 like you said, the, 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 the movement that they've had uh, the last three years has been remarkable. And that's, that's a testament to the commitment that coach Ezar's had with them and, and the buy-in that he's had with so many players. Um, you know, the, the list goes on and on with those seniors, those guys that, you know, he kind of had to fight for some of them to even play football. And, you know, you, you, I saw after the game, just Davion Howard and, and Jeremiah Johnson, just hugging each other. And then, you know, I get done talking to coach Ezar and, and EJ and I, you know, I tell EJ like, Hey, congrats on a good season. Like you guys have a lot to be proud for. And then you just see the embrace and, and all the emotion just, just let out between father and son. I mean, what a, what a heartfelt moment to just kind of be a bystander in that. And you can just, you can just see it. Cause I mean, they were the guys that, that did it and, and had a lot of guys around them rally. You think about Marcus Hurd and, and Trey McClinton, you know, and Marcus after the game, very charged up and emotional. And he kind of pointed to those other guys like, Hey, we, we helped build this, but this, this isn't where the story ends. It's where it starts. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, Mike, the next step is, is, is trying to find ways to finish those games, win that playoff game. You know, I'm curious to see what, what Rudder's new alignment kind of looks like. They're going to be down in that five, a division two level with Consol going up, you know, where do they, where do they kind of fall in line with, with other teams? But yeah, great season for the Rangers for sure. Hey, you look at Jimbo Fisher when he came to a and the matter around a and was they couldn't win close games. They couldn't win games in November. They couldn't win close games. New coach comes in, changes the, the mantra of the program, but Hey, that was a question for AM. So when I say it's a question for Rudder, I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean, I think it's, it's a positive to be on that step. You just got to take that next step and turn the chapter and figure out how to win those games. And that's, program mentality and Jimbo's fixed it here at AM. Uh, I have faith these are can do it at runner too. Well, we've got three private schools here in Bryan College Station still in the playoffs. Uh, we'll start with Brazos Christian. The Eagles, they probably have the biggest game at the TAPS level this week and they're playing Shiner St. Paul. It's one versus two in Division Four. And honestly, it's kind of too bad that this is a second round game because this is like state championship caliber type of game. And it's going to be speed of Brazos Christian versus the power of the run against Shiner St. Paul. This is the team that knocked Brazos Christian out of the playoffs last year. So there's definitely some revenge. I think that maybe the Eagles are seeking and Hey, the, the winner of this game, they're probably in the driver's seat to win that division four state championship down at the taps level. So, so this is a big game and, and, and Brazos Christian really feels like, you know, they're battle tested and they've got the depth in the team, especially on the defensive line to to really go against uh, Shiner St. Paul. Just talking with Coach Hoffmeyer earlier today. Um, and so, you know, Shiner's definitely the, the favorite. But, you know, I'm curious to see what kind of fight Brazos Christian can bring in this game. Um, Mike, you went you were just out of Allen Academy. 
they're big underdogs to, to Marble Falls, but, you know, the Rams know how to win in the postseason. You know, what, what, what's, what's you kind of looking from this Allen team, Mike? Uh, I want to say one thing on Brass Christian real quick. Yeah, for sure, Hancock, please. If, if Levi Hancock's your quarterback, you have a chance to win any game. I don't, I don't care if it's one versus two, whatever. 100%. That's so dominant in the taps level. I mean, he, he would play in any team here, 6A down, down the taps, six man. He'd be a beast. So if that kid's on, on your team, you got a chance to win. As far as Allen goes, you know, I got a text from Coach Adams last Friday with the final score, 108 to 80-something. And I go, is this the basketball score or is this, this the football final? He goes, yeah, defense didn't necessarily show up today, but our offense was pretty darn good. It's a rematch of last year's state semifinals. Marble Falls State Academy is number one in the state. Allen comes in as underdogs, but this offense is playing so good right now that they're confident. And I literally got back from them right before we hopped on here. And Coach Adams says his young guys are growing up before his eyes on the defensive side of the ball. They have to tackle way better than they did last week if they're going to compete here. But offensively, man, Ethan Lucas is slinging the rock around. He's got a great last name and an even better arm. And if they can – you know, I don't think he's going to put up 108 points again, but they are confident this team could score on anybody in that division. And when you play with that level of confidence coming off a performance where you just put up 108, I mean, the sky's the limit when you're confident. And the impossible can happen when you believe it can. And this Allen Academy team believes it can beat Marble Falls State Academy, which is half the battle when you're playing a team that's been so dominant all season. Plus, they beat them last year. They have the mental edge. They did beat them last year. Mm-hmm. that that is true uh and finally st joseph they're pl- they're facing fredericksburg heritage and georgetown friday afternoon you know the st joe's team we knew it was going to be a young squad coming into the season but it's really hit its stride i mean abigail you can attest to this reed millahan i mean he's on our honor roll like every week i mean this I the kid I- just <laughs> knows how to play and you know, they, they've, they've found some seniors that have really stepped up after losing some guys last year. Um, you know, Coach Costaleja saying that Levi Rice, Luke Schumann coming over playing basketball, they've been a big help. And, you know, they, they've got a game this week. Fredericksburg Heritage are only five and five, but this is a team that's been in the state semifinals the last three years and has won a state title in that span. So, you know, the record may not show it, but the pedigree's there. And so this is definitely going to be a team that St. Joe's can't look for, look past, um, but should be a good game on, on Friday afternoon. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Levi Rice and, and Luke Schumann. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy to think that these guys came from the basketball team. We're used to seeing their names kind of later on in the season once basketball starts. They're usually on the uh, all Brazos Valley um, team, but um, – so I think that's amazing that they've been able to make such a big difference because they have, their numbers are consistently um, high as well. Then you got Reed, like you said, uh, Alex has heard me talk about them all season. I think it's a great team. They have so many, so many weapons to, to choose from. Mark Mishler at quarterback is great. He also kicks for them. Um, they just have an overall great team, I think. And um, it's really nice to see such a young team. I don't think we necessarily expected this from them this season only because um, you know, it was a lot of guys that we weren't sure about. We weren't sure if Levi Rice and Schumann would make a difference just coming up to a different sport. I mean, um, that's kind of tough in and of itself, but um, they've really kind of surprised everybody, had a great season. Um, I, you know, I like them against this Fredericksburg Heritage team. Um, but yeah, like I said, they just have so many weapons and, and they've been able to do so many things with them this season. Um, and so they're doing great things over there at St. Joseph. 
Well, Mike, thanks for joining us again. As always, we, we always look forward to you hopping on and uh, we'll see if we, we can, if uh, any teams will keep rolling after this week. <laughs> uh, I'll see you in Houston on Friday. Alex, yeah, you will. And, uh, safe travels if you're going to Tyler. And if we got teams playing next week, you know where to find me. There you go. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right, Abigail, let's close with this. We're going around the area. We've only got five area teams left. Franklin, Hearn, Centerville, Bremont, and Burton. Yeah. Not a great week last week for some of our area teams. A lot of narrow losses. You know, Lexington by eight to East Bernard. Burnham in overtime to Marble Falls. Cameron, you know, they almost upset Hallettsville and Somerville. They almost upset El Dorado, which would have <laughs> been a huge win down at uh, 2A Division Two. Just, just kind of a tough week for, for some of these teams. But it's amazing to see, uh, you know, a lot of these teams, we, we have a lot of questions about coming into the season. It's great to see that they, one, made it to the playoffs. They were able to get, uh, you know, whatever seed they in the top four. But um, to have these tight wins here, I mean, Lexington to get that close to East Renard uh, without Jared Kerr all season or for most of the season, um, Brenham almost be Marvel Falls again. I mean, um, that was a great game, I think, for, for the Cubs. Obviously, a hard loss two years in a row, but they had a great season as, way, as well. Cameron Yo coming with a new head coach. Uh, they were trying to find a quarterback early in the season, almost upset here in, in by district and Somerville. I mean, they've had some great guys this season. So, a bad week, I guess, overall, when you think about the losses and the teams that we did lose this week. But I think it's a real testament to how just how good the season was overall for the Brazos Valley and how, how good these teams were, despite some of the hardships that they kind of went through. Yeah, not to mention teams like, okay, Snook with their first year head coach, you know, Leon, they lost, uh, uh, gosh, can't remember his name, J is it Jacob Robinson, quarterback. <laughs> And yeah. uh, Tyson Kernett, you know, two guys that were all, all all BV last year, you know, really trying to change that offense over there. Um, Calvert, everything they went through, they made the playoffs, lost new Oglesby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, new coach. Um, so yeah, you know, a lot of lot of change this last season, but you know, they saw some success. Hey, how about Bremond? going over and beating Quinlan Bowles, you know, I, I had, I had Bremont yeah. losing that, that game last week, but you know, the, the, the Tigers, the Tigers are young, but Hey, coach Kazowski knows how to win. Okay. We can't true. count that guy out. So, um, and Burton, okay. <laughs> Burton beating Cristobal. Now we knew, we knew that that yeah. was kind of an asterisk game considering Burton really should be 10 and one. Right. But, it was more of one versus one. Um, if we really thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough draw for Cristobal and a, a one-point win for Burton as well. But all right, let's let's just let's just go through one game: Hearn versus Beckville, seven thirty Friday night in Murphy, which is I think just north of Dallas, if I'm correct. I think I, I looked it up earlier, and that that's kind of where it looked like. Abigail, you know, what, what are we kind of looking at in this game? Yeah, you know, obviously I don't know too much about Beckville. I haven't covered them this season. I, I don't know too much about their team, but they are undefeated this year. They're the favorites um, in that in that division, uh, Division One, Two A. But um, you know, Hearn Hearn has surprised me this season. I I knew obviously their defense was pretty strong. Um, you, they have a new quarterback in in Keishan Langham, but then they have Jabari Dunn to help them out offensively. I 
you know, then they, they shut out Norm G last week, who we weren't sure how that game was going to go. Obviously, Hearn was big favorites against Norman G, but Norman G has the guys to kind of pull through um, and, and surprise people. Um, and Hearn was able to kind of slow them down. They didn't score at all. I mean, so it, it, the Eagles are an underdog here, but I really do think that, uh, you know, Bechtel has a good team too. I, they can't be overlooked. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I'm just interested in this matchup overall. I'm not sure how it's going to go, but we've seen what Hearn's defense has been able to do. And I really think that it's going to be another hard test for them this week. And if they can make it, if they can make, have an upset here, I mean, this is a different Hearn team than, than we've been talking about. And we really need to maybe pay more attention. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for this one. This is definitely one of the ones um, obviously Franklin is also playing. They have a no, no line, uh, against, um, Stockdale, Stockdale, um, which is crazy to have an area around. Um, but yeah, I think this is definitely one of the area games to watch. Um, if you kind of are just checking it out and, and maybe not as familiar with, with her and what they've been doing this season. Well, I think that's going to do it. We've, we've, we've covered our bases today. And, uh, so yeah got a lot of a lot of good football ahead this week and so be sure to check the eagle.com for all of our coverage uh be sure to follow us on twitter for all the score updates on friday night and uh be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on spotify and apple podcasts so we'll be back next week hopefully again uh i assume we will we we will will be back we will abigail's like don't say that don't say that we got I won't, I won't list the teams that I think will be here next week, but we will. <laughs> you can check our picks on uh, Thursday. That'll tell you which teams oh, we think God. will be there. Don't do that. I'm still in last place. I'm still mad about it. It's week 13. <laughs> but <laughs> Alex is still beating me, but whatever. She's um, only one game behind the great Robert Primo, though. So we'll see if she can catch him this week. All right. That's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will see you next week.